Citizens of Chicago were sitting down to watch the news on the night of Sunday, the 22nd of November, 1987, expecting to watch the regular segments on crazy Floridian antics and gun violence. During the sports segment, the sportscaster was giving an update on the Bears vs. Lions game. And then, all of a sudden, they weren't, as screens across the city went black. 15 seconds later, a latex mask-clad face was splashed across the screen, maniacally swaying back and forth. 17 seconds later, the screen went black again and the news returned. What had just happened was a signal hijack and the beginning of a mystery that persists to this day. This week on Cheeky Tales, we cover the Max Headroom incident. It's your nightly news. No, wait, it's a creepy man. It's a very creepy man. Mm. Do you know this one, boy? I'm pretty sure another mystery podcast that we listen to on and off have done it, and I think I've heard it. Yes. Yeah, you would have heard it from that one. Yeah. Do you know of it, Sean? I've heard of it. Mm. Yeah, that's why I was happily nodding like a yeah. psychopathic <laughs> yeah, right. okay. toy. Be I've excited about his episode. <laughs> I was excited about the episode. <laughs> I just don't like yacht racing. <laughs> The episode was wonderful, John. Just not yacht racing. <laughs> Sorry, children. Oh, it's been two weeks. I'm still salty. Sean is of salty course like seawater. Sean is Sean is of course referring to the uh, the last episode on the America's Cup victory by Australia in 1983, and my utter disdain towards the 1987 to yeah. the rich. 1983, 87 1983. was yeah. when Max Connor, Max Connor, Max Power, Dennis Connor, sorry, Connor regained Park. it for Australia using yeah. the San Diego Yacht Club. Regained it for America. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Sean was listening, I swear. I was. See, I remember facts <laughs> and I haven't even got it in front of me. Facts that were wrong. So this episode. <laughs> you said, I got you his said, first name wrong. You said Dennis Connor regained it for Australia. Dennis no, Lilly for regained it for Australia. It's on the recording. Go to the recording. i I'm not going to do that. Okay. Do it. No. Can you hear me? You've turned me down a lot. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, because you both started screaming. Yeah, because you brought up the contentious topic. Also, we do sound quiet compared to him because yeah. he's got that overbearing microphone yeah. now. Overbearing, right you mean here now. perfect. <laughs> he's meant to be the quiet one. Yeah, well, get me a pop filter one. Give me a better one. Yeah, well, I forgot to get the sock this week. Um, oh. So this episode, we, we talked a lot- <laughs> I didn't enjoy the sock error. <laughs> you used to put a sock smell. over the microphone. That the birdcage bird sock error was my favourite and also my least favourite. The crusty sock error. <laughs> and it's not that it smelt bad, but it- It just smelt like a sock. Yeah, but it smelt like your washing detergent. I like my washing oh, detergent. Right, it's like going to go. someone else's house and their dinner smells weird, even if yeah. it's the same dinner. What's your washing detergent like? Too rich, like made from a it rich is, company. No, it's, yeah, mm. it's very. It was very pungently strong. It's, uh, I use Omo Ultimate. I'm very out of touch with the common mm, man. Sounds like it. Cold even, power. Probably right? Sean's using like home brand. Or Sean's something I am like using Earth Choice, like basically <laughs> home brand. That stuff sucks, detergent. dude. No, it doesn't. It's excellent. Earth brand stuff is terrible. Nah, it's fine. It cleans my clothes sufficiently. If you can drink it, you shouldn't be using to clean. <laughs> That doesn't say much because of the oh, amount of things man. that I've drunk in my life <laughs> that shouldn't have been drunk. 
reinforces been that chugging rule. laundry detergent. That's what we just learned. What is happening? Last I episode, we're talking about bottle sports. Of- this episode, we're talking about detergent. Yeah, I drank Speak- a 600 ml bottle of flood water in the Townsville floods oh. in 2019. Why? From the car park of the Townsville RSL. Why? 20 bucks. Oh. But there was a caveat. I was allowed to put whatever I wanted in it. So I put the sugar-free high-energy sport drink powder that I got in a ration pack in there. Oh, so you just feed the yeast infection. Yes. So, speaking of sports, this episode is roughly a week and a half after uh, the Brisbane Grand Final extraordinaire uh, extravaganza. I'm so glad we insert win or loss here. Yeah. So, there's there's four possible outcomes. What a game. I would like to name it Brisbane's longest weekend. Yeah. Oh, boy, is it going to be a long weekend. It's already a long weekend and two holidays. And I'm away. And you are like, away. You're not even here for it. I'm at the Gold Coast playing in, wow. a cricket comp- in a strange champs cricket competition. So there's four possible outcomes. So I think we should just do each of them okay. and then I will put them in. <laughs> Depending on what happens, I'll, I'll edit it in. Okay. Good old Collingwood forever. They know how to play their game. Woo! Woo! Right. So that, That's that covers two of the outcomes. Both the Lions and the Broncos lost, in which case, oh, I can't oh, believe man. it. I mean, it was a good final. The boys played well. Proud of where they've come after, what, Wooden Spooning three years ago for yeah, the Broncos? Yeah, that's right. And the Lions, they were bad for a long time. But they've had a good They've run. got a young squad. Yep. They'll come back. They'll learn. So I'll cut <laughs> one of them in. My singing stays <laughs> in a few, yeah, in two of the eventualities. Just get ready to do a live one. Little bit. Little bit. There you little go. <laughs> There needs to be a third saying of little bit. Would you like us to add you in? Yeah. <laughs> John's a hard no. Yeah, it's like at the start, <laughs> it's like, welcome boy. I'm like, oh, what am I, a f- can of spam? <laughs> <laughs> Boys. Well, maybe if you showed up for the last four episodes. Ooh. Oh. You know, we did have a brief discussion about going back to that uh, sunglasses brand that we don't oh, want yeah. you to buy any of. We did have a brief discussion about whether you would have to pay. <laughs> We were like, Sean going to go in on it? <laughs> uh, it? Doing them on days when I can't be there is hard for me. It's true. It's all good. You're back. You've had two episodes in a row. All right, see you for another six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. All right. I, I forgot what we're doing. All right. Yeah, we've Max- been blabbing on so long. My laptop's gone to sleep. Max- yeah, mine did too. What was it? Max Headroom? Max Headroom. Yeah, Max the Max Headroom. Headroom incident of Chicago 1987. Sound familiar? Uh, yeah, that was when Dennis Cooper, Connor, my wife can't remember. Connor. Dennis Connor. Dennis Connor. Won it back. Won it back. You barely remember your own story. No, I was, I was going to say revenge. It was like 20 minutes it wasn't ago. really revenge. Anyway, let's get into it. Cool. Tell us what happened. I mean, you already have. So thanks for listening. Um, well, I've told you one thing. Oh, okay. There's more. Who is Max Headroom anyway? Interrupt this program, boy. Tell us what's going on. Oh, good one. That's a good one. So the mask from the intro wasn't just some random design. No, it was a character that was well known at the time known as Max Headroom. He was a British TV character known as the world's first computer generated TV host. He was designed to look computer-generated with slicked back blonde hair, waxy skin, and a smart black suit and tie combination. So, like Data from Star Trek? Yeah, but in a suit. Okay. And blonde. Okay. Oh, no, Data was- He was a- Say it with me. 
I can't remember the word for black hair. <laughs> Slick black hair. I was going to say brunette. Oh, but brunette. Like, that's not black no, hair. No, it's just black hair. The character would uh, <laughs> always appear in front of a geometric pattern that would twist and move throughout his performance. He was actually created and played by a comedian known as Matt Frewer and was well loved by those who knew him for his sharp wit and his dark cyberpunk parodies on technology and media. Eventually, the character would outgrow the comedian's initial reach, making it onto late night talk shows, an ad campaign for New Coke, and its own hour long series on America's ABC. New Coke. Yeah, there New was. New Coke. A- <sighs> That'd be a good episode. The Cola Wars would be a ripper. That's a two parter. Yeah. That's a two parter. That's a really long one. All right, well, well, hold it. To explain New Coke, if you've seen the Futurama episode with Slurm, yep. where they go to the Slurm factory and they talk about New Slurm. And how it's talking about New Coke. And how it's going to be bad. And then they'll bring out Slurm Classic and everybody will love it. That's basically New Coke. They changed it. Everybody hated it. Then they brought it back and said, Coke's back. Yay. And then they Yeah, I think won. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Is that when they took the cocaine out of it? No, no, no. no. That <laughs> happened a long time ago. There wasn't really ever Coke. I know. So, it's a joke. So Max fact Head- checker. It's my job. <laughs> it's my actual job title. As we always say, we're just as factual as Fox News. Um, yeah, get dunked. Get dunked. So, uh, the Max Headroom show had premiered earlier that year, but had been cancelled due to its inability to compete with Miami Vice, which, you know. Yeah, popular TV show. Yes. So, the intrusions themselves. As I said in the introduction, the first intrusion took place during the sports segment of the 9 o'clock news on WGN-TV. At around 9.14pm, sportscaster Dan Roan was running through a game recap of the Chicago Bears, giving the Detroit Lions the business, and just as he described a sack by the Bears against the Lions, the screen went black for 15 seconds. Yes, that was a reference for you. Giving them the business. Did they give them the business? No. Then why did you use that quote? Because they beat them. That's not Ah, what giving the business means. I know. We're going to have to fill you in on this, boy. There is a, a college football referee in like, was it the 90s? Yeah. Or the early 2000s. Yeah. He gives a penalty and he goes up to the penalty and he's like, um, penalty for unnecessary roughness. They were giving him the business. <laughs> Ron Cherry, what he, it was. Speaking of that, did you see it? It might have been last week. Push the fail. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. <laughs> I mean, why would you enjoy college football? Tell me the rich colleges that can play it anyway. <laughs> Here we go. That's not correct. Yeah, that's okay. also wildly inaccurate. Wildly inaccurate. Um, giving him the business means hitting him in the nuts. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, I think it was- I'm sad that none of us gave a nice after he said number 69. <laughs> nice. I would, but I've watched that video probably two dozen times. <laughs> He was giving them the business. I don't know if it was last week or this week, but it was another NFL referee um, and he's given a penalty and then like one of the players comes up behind him and says something and he goes, excuse me, I'm talking to America here. Yeah, that was last week. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty funny. What a loser. Anyway, so he was describing the uh, the sack. Yeah. And then suddenly the screen went blank for 15 seconds. For people who don't know NFL, what's a sack? So sack is when the defense tackles the quarterback while he still has possession of the ball. Behind the line of scrimmage. And is not in the act of running. Thank you. Or rushing. Behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Just has to be behind the line of scrimmage. True, because it can be out of the pocket. He could be Mm. moving if he's behind the line of scrimmage. It's a sack. 
Now we're getting into NFL chat. It again. doesn't need to be technical, just a simple <laughs> explanation for the listeners. Fact check. Suddenly, the screen came back to life with a man in a brown suit wearing black sunglasses over a rubber mask with slick back blonde hair standing in front of a rotating piece of corrugated steel. It was a creepy, dystopian version of Max Headroom. An unsettling, staticky, garbled sound would. Oh, I burped halfway through that sentence. Staticky. It was not a good idea to drink sars and do this podcast. <laughs> An unsettling, staticky, garbled sound would play over the top as Max would lean forwards and back, side to side. I'm sorry, everyone, in a comedically menacing way. I'll play the audio now on the podcast, but I encourage you to watch it like we will be to get the feel. It will be in the link dump. McMahon and McKinnon, 14-0 Bears. Then the defense, which hadn't put up a sack in 12 quarters, finally did. you're wondering what's happened <laughs> so am i actually the computer that we have running our news from time to time took off and went wild so what we're going to do is start over from the top of the bears and tell you once again about the 30 to 10 victory they had over detroit today out at soldier field yeah that would be alarming hmm. that was not a pleasant sound no quite quite gross hey yeah like it just sounds awful so as you would have just heard if you did listen to it uh, which you should have because it's in the episode. After about 20 seconds, the signal would abruptly switch back to Dan Roan, who, as you heard, would try to play off the incident as a computer bug before starting his piece on the Bears-Lions game again. The technicians at uh, WGN-TV had managed to switch the broadcast frequency they used between their studio and the transmitter, circumventing the intrusion and bringing control back to themselves. Those at home would be confused, with some calling the station to ask what had happened, but largely, they would go on about their night, finishing the, mo- the news and moving on to watch other things. So that's a thing that doesn't happen anymore, really, is it? If something like was to happen now, like that, no one's calling the station. No one's going to see it because who's watching broadcast TV? That's true. But no one's calling the station. Who's no. Googling? You go, like, did anyone see that? Or yeah. Facebook? And then, yeah, that, no one's- I wouldn't even know how to call the station. Yeah, true. Like, that was a thing they used to just do was broadcast a phone number to just call the radio station yeah, or the like TV me. station. Yeah. yeah. Very odd. What? Nothing. John's looking at me while I'm reading. I always get nervous that stroke, I- Stroking his moustache. Oh, yeah. I always get nervous that I've, like, I've engrossed myself in reading and missed a joke because <laughs> then John will look at me like- Laugh, damn it. Laugh. Yeah, laugh. <laughs> I am the laugh. <laughs> I am the laugh track. Next- Next time I see him doing that, I'm just going to start laughing and watch him panic. And then look over at him quickly. <laughs> as, the, as the night crept on over on W. Classic. I wonder if that's one of those ones that they recorded in like the 50s and all those people are dead. Jeez, oh, that's. That's dark. That's that's a bit going long. on way too long. Okay, as the night crept on over on WTTW, they were playing an episode of Doctor Who, horror, uh, the horror of Fang Rock. That's apparently quite a popular episode. Yeah, so I've seen it. 
Sean. <laughs> it's my new soundboard. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's quite a popular episode, so I'm sure some Whovians are all excited right now. Oh, don't. I was a Whovian for a brief period. Every episode's a popular episode. When do you ever hear anyone say, oh, that was a, that's a bad episode? Doctor Who fans oh, are just like- That was a boring episode. Every episode is better than any other television show. What I liked about Doctor Who yes. is that you can tell it's low budget. Yes. But they do things very well. Yes. Like out of the minimal episodes I've seen, my favourite was the uh, Angels. Okay. Very low budget idea, executed extremely well. I would really like to watch Doctor Who. I've never seen a single episode. Mm. I know roughly about it. Mm. Like I said, I watched maybe 10 episodes, was really engrossed for those 10 episodes and then never went back to it. There's a guy I work who's a huge fan. Yeah. I don't ask anything about it. I don't love science fiction. There's only one sci-fi show I ever liked. and X-Files. No, no, no. Uh, Quantum Leap. Mm. But it's a time travel show. I, love I know time Quantum tra- Leap. Yeah, you know I love time travel. They're so. bringing it back. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. You can't. That For those out there that haven't seen Quantum Leap, Spoilers, but they didn't end the show correctly. They ran out of like interest in the show and money. And so Sam Beckett, Dr. S- sorry, Dr. Sam Beckett, he never made a home. He, they did an episode where there was a redemption arc for another character in the show. And that caused a bit of a paradox to happen that the main character lost his sidekick. Therefore, he just, they just cut to a blank screen and it says, Dr. Sam Beckett continued to jump through time, helping people in need. He never made it home. That's it. After five seasons. Wow. It was a heartbreakingly sad final episode and that was how they ended it. Mm. Back to Dr. Who though. I'm sure you've seen the clip where they bring Van Gogh into like the present. Oh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I thought you would have seen that one since you're such no. a huge Van Gogh fan. Uh, look, I'm Uvian. probably not as big a fan of Van Gogh as I am of the Brisbane Lions. Oh, okay. um, so. oh, I might not actually be a fan anymore. Don't worry. <laughs> Relative. Sorry. Fang Tooth? Fang Rock? Horror of Fang Rock. Yep. Yeah. So that was playing. And at around 11.15 p.m. on WTTW, the episode was going along nicely before uh, suddenly cutting to black. And on screen again on this new channel was, oh my God, I should not have had that drink. (laughs) Oh, sorry, everyone. And on screen again on this new channel was the grinning face of Max Headroom. This time he had audio, though really terrible quality. He also made some interesting content choices. This signal jacking would be much longer at around one minute, 22 seconds largely because there was nobody on site at the transmission tower for WTTW. We're going to watch the second one now and I'll play the audio again. So have a listen. Go to the, uh, go to the link dump if you have not already and have a look at both of these. You should look often with the old ones of your tribe. That is the only way to learn. I'll get you a hot drink, miss. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 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 
far as I can tell, a massive electric shock. He died instantly. What the hell? Yeah. So that one was a, a bit weirder, huh? A little bit weirder. Like, it's creepy. Did you pick up on anything he said, either of you? Aside from the fact that you can see some captions there. Yeah, something like I can see the X or... Yep. It's hard because I've been fact-checking. I was already listening for what he's supposed to have said. Yeah. And I didn't actually hear some things that it says that he said. So that was interesting. Yeah. Swerzy? Yeah, he was the Chuck Yeah, he was the... um, Oh, he wasn't the the guy reading the news earlier. No. I think he was another sportscaster. He's another sportscaster, yeah. It's really disturbing. Yeah. So I've got a transcript of what he said. So when he first cut in, he says, because he's a freaking nerd, yeah, I think I'm better than Chuck Swirsky, uh, freaking liberal OGesus. Then when he's holding up the can, he says, catch the wave. Uh, then he's singing, your love is fading. Then he says, I still see the X. Uh, then he does a bit where he's like, um, he's like faking pooing. And he's like, oh, my piles, which are hemorrhoids. hemorrhoids yeah. uh, and then he goes, oh, I just made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. Greatest world newspaper being GW, uh, GWN, the first station mm-hmm. that he'd taken over. WGN. World's greatest news. He said greatest world newspaper nerds, but the station is world's greatest newspaper. Sorry. Uh, Then he said, my brother is wearing the other one, but it's dirty. Uh, Oh no, they're coming to get me. And then the female character that you saw with the the fly spotter spanking him on the bum bum. She says, bend over, bitch. And then he says, ah, oh, make it stop. And that's when it cuts. I'm disturbed. I'm creeped out. Yeah, it's a bit off-putting, isn't it? I'm really creeped out. This is weird. Like, it just seems like, obviously, the first one was like a test. Yeah. Like, just to see if they could do it. Mm. And then the second one is like, okay, we can do it. And then kind of refining, I guess, their signal or something like that. It's just- So, the thing that's weird is that he makes that reference- really creeped out. Yeah, it's really off-putting, isn't it's it? It's really creepy. Mm. Re- definitely go watch it if you haven't. So I don't want to drive home saying. by myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's a little bit of context there, which is that Chuck Swirsky was the broadcaster, uh, was a, a sportscaster on WGN. Um, it's suspected that these people had wanted to interrupt his broadcast, but did it on the wrong night and the wrong station. So they did WGN first, and then they went to WW- WTTW but it's probable that it was meant to be on WGN. So are these interruptions pre-recorded and they're hijacking the signal with pre-recorded things and it's not like a live feed? That's the theory because if you – I don't know if you noticed, but there's there was a jump a cut. cut. Yeah, there was a jump yeah. cut, yeah. They, um, Ch- Chuss Worski was a radio announcer. He wasn't on television. They weren't trying. Oh, okay. To, yeah. So Chuck Swirsky is an American Canadian radio sports announcer, and he is the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Bulls. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I read that he was at WGN. Nope. Oh, well, all right. He was on WCF. checking that. He was on WCFL AM 1000 <laughs> talk show. WTF. WCFL AM. Fat checker. Doing it good. So- the when he holds up the Pepsi can and Max says "catch the wave," that's uh, "catch the wave" was the slogan for Coke, 
who Max Headroom had the advertising campaign with. Squirsky occasionally filled in as the sports anchor on WGN. There we go. He occasionally was on there. That's why. And he's an evangelical Christian. Vindication. Probably- <laughs> um, yeah, there's the bit about having piles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. So that's why they think it was probably meant to be on WGN. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had already beaten them by changing their signal. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. It does seem like they were trying to do like a test one and then or they had intended to do a longer one and they got beaten. And so then they adjusted to go after another station that they could get to. Yeah, and it kind of cut back in halfway through. Yeah, on a different station. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And just as quick as it had begun, it was over. WTTW never regained control of their broadcast from Max. Rather, the signal jackers just ended the broadcast and allowed WTTW to take over their transmission again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's because there was nobody at the transmission tower. Yeah. They couldn't change the signal it was receiving, so they just had to wait and let it go. In the words of Air Director... Uh, In the words of the air director for WTTW, Paul Rizzo, we attempted to take corrective measures but couldn't. As the the content got weirder, we got increasingly stressed out about our inability to do anything about it. The pirate broadcast ended when the hijackers unilaterally ended their transmission. By the time our people began looking into what was going on, it was over. As you can imagine... WTTW also got flooded with phone calls from viewers who had no idea what had just happened, and there were probably some complaining that WTTW dare broadcast such filth, as if they had anything to do with it. Mm. The next day, media outlets, pick, media outlets picked up on the story and ran with it, with articles describing the hijacking, talking about the obscene version of Max Headroom that had been broadcast, and speculating on how the hijackers had done it. And on that note... Let's get to the investigation into why, who, and how of the Max Headroom incident. What do you think? What do you think so far? How do you think they did it? I'm just still creeped out. I'm like... (laughs) I don't know if the spinning corrugated iron has done something like a hypnotize, but it's just like that's all I can see now is like, and that, and the way that was moving, that rocking. Yeah, that just, like creepy yeah, rock back and forth, and the head's like slightly too big. Yeah, it's. And the little bum bum. It's done me. Yeah. Really? I'm rocked. John's shattered. Absolutely shattered. Oh, well, if you want a horror experience, watch it at night. I did. Um, <laughs> how have they done it? Oh. Obviously, they've been able to interrupt, like, the signal frequency, um, block it with, like, the opposite frequency and then send their own or something like that. All right. I don't know. I'm not a- Good theory. Signal technician. As soon as the first intrusion had started, there was an investigation underway inside WGN TV. They started by sweeping their building, believing the signal jacker must be inside the studio. A thorough search would find nothing. And as they, discovered switching, uh, the, as they discovered that switching the broadcast frequency broke the hack, it would become clear that the method used was overpowering the legitimate signal broadcast to the transmitter. While fairly simple in practice, and the equipment fairly cheap, it would require a decent knowledge of the technology. 
It would also mean that more than likely the signal jackers would have had line of sight to the tower used to transmit, which meant the jackers were most likely in the Chicago metro area. The FBI and FCC would immediately start investigating the case, and considering what was known would be focusing on local hacker groups. The next day, the FCC would release a statement through spokesman Phil Bradford in an attempt to stop copycat signal jackings. They would state, I would like to inform anybody involved in this kind of thing that there's a maximum penalty of $100,000, one year in jail, or both. So it's not a laughing matter for the no, FCC. Just, just the way it's like, or both. Or both. Yeah. So as despite the, uh, the relatively innocuous content that Max Headroom put out during the two intrusions, it could have been a lot worse. It had, in fact, only recently been made a felony to hijack a broadcast signal, as only one year earlier, on April 27, 1986, another hijacking had been done by a man named John McDougall on HBO. He had hijacked the satellite signal to broadcast a text protest against the cost of cable TV. In this instance... Fair enough. Similar to the second Max Headroom broadcast, it was McDougall himself who had ended the hijacking. He was caught uh, through his use of the specific character generator used to generate the on-screen dialogue, and he handed himself in and gave his motives, which were that he was pissy that he couldn't sell satellite TV equipment for people to steal free satellite TV anymore after the broadcasters introduced scramblers on their signal. After this, it was clear that signal hijacking could be a real problem. And so the Electronic Communications Privacy Act of 1986 was rolled out to make the act a crime. So what this John McDougall guy had done is in the 80s, when they started using satellite broadcasts, you could just buy satellite equipment, point it at the satellite, and take the signal and immediately have free TV. Yep. And so all these stations, like there was an industry in doing this, Mm -hmm. like companies that would sell this equipment, support it in your house and you wouldn't have to pay the cable companies. So they started using the scramblers and he went- I think there was a Simpsons episode about stealing cable. Yeah. 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 So then he does this and he took over the satellite by just- Shooting a beam at it. Yeah. And the company that ran the satellite, like operated it, they couldn't do anything about it because the only way to beat it was to put a more powerful signal and that had the potential to destroy the satellite. So they just had to wait for him to give up. And so that's why the, uh, the government were like, ooh, not only could they broadcast whatever they want, they could also damage equipment that yeah. these companies own that could be important for like, you know, a number of things. So maybe we'll make that illegal. And so they did that within a year. It's just funny that it wasn't illegal yeah, before was, that point. Yeah. Well, they did charge him with something, but the specifics of yeah. what piracy. he'd done wasn't. Yeah. Single piracy. There were a number of other signal jackings done despite the new laws, including another infamous one that took over the Playboy channel to display a text message encouraging those watching to repent their sins and turn to the Lord. This man, again, was caught quite quickly and was found to be an employee of the Christian Broadcasting Network. (laughs) Despite the fact that there were so many jackings going on, Max Headroom stood out above the others. Signal warfare between Playboy and the Christian Broadcasting Network. Network, the CBN. The CBN coming after the Playboy Network. Um, So Max Headroom stood out above the others because he managed to transmit video and audio, something that was rare, uh, if not ever seen before. Oh, the other ones were just text. 
Yeah, they were just text messages put yeah. up on the screen. Um, this did, though, give more evidence for the investigators to go through. First, investigators would look to try and find the physical location that the signal jackers had used to initiate the jacking. WGN-TV used the John Hancock building and WTTW used the Sears Tower. So they'd need line of sight of both buildings. That's right. This meant that the signal jacker needed to be near both buildings and probably at a pretty high height. Mind you, the Sears Tower is the tallest building in Chicago. Yeah. Mm. So you can see it from a lot of places, but you've got to be able to see both. Both. So you can't be on the ground. It's now called the Willis Tower, but no one calls it that. If you ask someone in Chicago where the Willis Tower is, they're going to go, you mean the Sears Tower, even though it's called the Willis Tower. Can confirm. Yeah, that's like a lot of things. It could be like, we got a local one, the Myers Centre. I don't yep. think it's called the Myers Center anymore, but it's always no. going to be- It's always going to be the Myers Center. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, whoever goes in there next, it's not your building. Oh, it's already got a different name. Yeah. Isn't that like Brisbane Arcade? No, it's- um, Well, since you're a Lions fan, what's the name of the Gabba? Uh, the Hyundai Center, isn't mm-hmm. it? No one calls it that. Yeah. Or actually, isn't it the- It's like the Hyundai or something because a couple Hang of on, the what? letters are off. Yeah. The Gabba officially is the Hyundai Center, but- no one calls it that. Since when? Since For ages, 15, boy. 20 years. So long that some of the letters on the Hyundai Center sign have gone out. And I do know that because I'm a massive Lions fan. I didn't know it. It's just always been the Gabba. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't even call it that for the cricket. I, I think the it- only time it's called the Hyundai Center is for the Lions games. Yeah. They yeah. don't call it that. I've never heard them ever call it that. They call it the yeah. Gabba. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Lang Park. Yeah. Yeah. Suncorp. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. It, it's, it's known Lang as Park. Suncorp. Yeah. Mm. But it's Lang Park. Yeah. Imagine the day when Suncorp don't sponsor that. It's not going to be whatever. It's going to be Suncorp. Mm. Yeah. Eddie had Stadium. I have never once remembered to call it Marvel Stadium. It's, oh, yeah. It was Eddie had Stadium or yeah. Dockland Stadium. Is that the same stadium? Yeah. Yeah. It's Marvel Stadium. Did not realize that. Yes. Yeah. I've yeah. recently been to Melbourne. I have seen Marvel Stadium. Yep. And I didn't realize it was one in the it's same. It's the same one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It was called Dockland Stadium for 25 years. And then it was roughly. Yeah. Because it's then, near the docks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. There's a number of them. Like I'm that, in Melbourne though. right now. Not. You've been there once. Yeah. I've been there once. I'm going to Adelaide next week, Sean. Oh, beautiful. How long for? Uh, three or four days. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> First. Uh, re- restarting <laughs> Sean's mediocre travel advice, but in podcast form. <laughs> Welcome to Sean's mediocre travel advice. Doom, doom, boom, boom, if you boom. go to Adelaide, go to the beach. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> Adelaide has a nice place in the hills called Harndorf. Are you- doom, doom, doom. It was a Snapchat series I, I did I was for say, a while. Are you a- Train conductor? Yeah, so I had- The next stop is Radelaide. I did this- Radelaide! Yeah, I did this Snapchat thing for a while called Sean's Mediocre Travel Advice. It started when I went to Captain Cook's Landing Point in Sydney, and it was the most underwhelming, boring thing I'd ever seen. And so I did this thing like, yep, come to Captain Cook's Landing Point. There's a tree. Didn't we stay there? No, it's- there's Not the rocks? No, that's not where he landed. Oh. In Botany Bay, there's like this just oh, right, of course. plaque on the side of the water and a tree. Yeah. And I was like, that's another episode of Sean's Mediocre Travelers. And then I kept it going. <laughs> I did an episode where I went and watched the sunrise. And it was <laughs> mediocre because it's something that happens every single day, no matter what. <laughs> I feel like I did something similar when I was in Melbourne. Boy, I was sending Aaron pictures of like the solar system, the scaled solar system landing there. I'm like, I'm at the sun. <laughs> I'm at Venus. <laughs> yeah. 
And I could tell how long it was taking him because I'd get them at like various intervals. Because <laughs> it gets a long distance. I yeah. think I got to Mars and went, oh, I'm not going any further. Yeah, because Mars is like a couple hundred meters down yeah. the road. Yeah. And then Jupiter is like almost a K away. I'm like, oh, I'm not going any further. I'm not further. going any yeah. further. I think Pluto is like, I think it's like five, 13 Ks or something. Five. I think 5.6 yeah. Ks from the sun. Yeah. No, it has to be further than that. Yeah, I think it's 13. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, first. Sorry. Back to the story. First, investigators would look to try and find the physical location, as I said. So you've got the Willis Tower and the Sears Tower. Mm -hmm. So that meant the signal jackers needed to be near both buildings and probably at a pretty high height, likely in a high-rise apartment on a rooftop on the north side of Chicago. You know, know, Sean? Mm -hmm. Just move on. What? Nothing. What? Are you saying because I've already said all this? Nope. What? Continue. Just go. No, come on. No, just go. No, continue. What? This is not Austin Powers. You don't ask us three times and we tell you. Just <laughs> keep is going. It? The moment has passed. Is I'm right, though, right? jacking. No, Sears and Willis Tower thing. Yeah, that's. I'm right for looking at you for that? Yeah, you yeah. are, yeah. Okay. They would also look <laughs> to find where the video had been filmed. Due to the jump cuts oh. in the transmission, it That'd was- That'd be de- tough, to, tough to do, wouldn't it? You would think so, There's yeah. not that much evidence. Yeah. Um- I'll get to, to that after Sorry. I finish this. Sorry. It was deter- uh, due to the Sorry. jump cut, it was determined that the video must have been filmed prior to the signal jacking and could not and could not have been completed live. This meant that the location didn't need to be set up to transmit and could be in use at the time of the broadcast. The background of the video, the corrugated metal, was determined to be eight feet wide. Mm. Yeah. So it looked like there was a reflection in it off to over... Uh, Max's left shoulder. It looked like mm. there was another person in the reflection of the corrugated island. Well, there was someone else there. Yeah, of course. You saw yeah. them spanking his bum bum. Yeah. Um, so they determined somehow that that corrugated metal was eight feet wide, industrial in nature, and possibly a roll down warehouse door. Somehow the FBI would come up with a suspect uh, who worked in a warehouse that they believed could have been used for filming. But that doesn't really make much sense because the door is spinning. Spinning. That is literally the least important thing they could focus on yeah. to try and catch him. It's about the only thing they had to go on, though, other than he had a white bum. So, specific. He had white be Caucasian. The specific rubber mask, how many of them were made, yeah. where were they produced, who sold them. None of that information got shared. Yep, they went with the f- corrugated iron. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah, Innocuous it was, it is was the word pretty shaky. For. Uh, and they never formally investigated the subject, the suspect. So they went, this is our suspect. Oh, we actually don't have anything to go on. Okay, we won't bother investigating yeah, them. Yeah, fair enough. That's, uh, sounds like 1930s detective work. <laughs> Get the seance. <laughs> Most in the industry would believe it to be an inside job. Someone with India, within the industry uh, or the stations themselves. A broadcast engineer by the name of Al Skirkowitz uh, who worked for WTTW, took part in the investigation on the night of the incident with the union maintenance maintenance staff and the director of engineering of WTTW. His theory would be, it had to be a broadcast engineer, a satellite engineer, or a ham radio operator, and probably a combination of at least two of those in order to pull this off. Others with knowledge, though, disagreed, or at least those who claimed knowledge. On the Chicago online bulletin board system, a user named The Chameleon would post something that not only disagreed with the inside job theory, but also seemed to take credit 
in some way. We'll strike again, I can guarantee it. Hardly an inside job. They just aimed their transmitter at the same transponder that WGN uses and used a higher power. It doesn't even have to be significantly higher, just more. And the WGN signal will cancel out. As I said before, it's one of those things that doesn't work out on paper, but it works. Welcome to Earth, where everything you know is wrong. The chameleon put forward the idea that due to the regular availability of equipment and its ease of use, that it would be fairly easy to hijack signals like Max had done. Others, using the basis that it wasn't that hard to hijack, theorised that the motives for the hijacking could have been that it was an anti-media protest, a disgruntled former former employee of the TV stations, uh, or that it was a comment on the character being bastardised for capitalism rather than staying in its lane as a comedic piece. Regardless of the motives, there were a number of suspects that the FBI and FCC investigated, none of which we know about. All the ones we know about come from online forums. So let's get into them. Hey, what? The FBI and FCC never formally investigated anyone. Oh, okay. So they never found enough evidence to go on. So the only thing we have to go on is just... That is terrifying when you don't know it's coming. Aaron looked absolutely... I was like, what the hell's that? It's like Max Henry was about to bust through the door. That's how it looks. (laughs) Um, The chameleon, by the way, the person that kind of made the post that said that they were going to do it again, never comes up again in any post anywhere. Yeah. Mm. What a coward. I know. So, the suspects. Suspect one is a performance artist and musician, Eric Fournier. By the way, there's no evidence- given by any of these online forums. They just kind of guess these people and then go, it must have been them because this. Yeah. So Eric Fournier. He is best known now as a YouTuber who created a channel called Shea St. John from the early days of YouTube. The content of that. Have you? Yeah. It's creepy as hell. Don't go look it up. The content of this channel is pretty creepy and surreal, similar to the Max Headroom videos. He also seemed to have a similar performative vibe. And so sleuths pointed to him as a potential suspect. He lived about an hour or two's drive away from Chicago at the time in Bloomington, Indiana. And he was in a punk band known as the Blood Farmers. Oh, what a name. What a yeah, band name. Right? Gross. So the theory goes that he had originally wanted to broadcast a video clip of the band, but decided to do something else instead to not jeopardize them. His former bandmate describes this theory as ridiculous bullshit. Due to Eric's complete lack of video editing skills, the lack of music videos ever being made for the band, and the fact that none of them had the equipment available to do the hijacking. Or the experience? No. So this theory is just kind of like, oh, this guy kind of does similar videos. Yeah. And he lived an hour away. It was him. Yeah. But then the theory of the, like, wanting to play a music video, but then deciding not to, like, well, why would you still do the hijacking? Yeah, there's no point then. Yeah. So the point is to get exposure. Yeah. And then, yeah. But then you do something that you can never be exposed with. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the second person is Chicago radio DJ, Jonathan Brandmeyer, uh, who was branded a suspect by the online sleuths with the evidence (laughs) being just that he was hired by WGN, but only briefly and held a grudge against them due to this. There's a sitcom idea in that. Online detectives. No training or anything like no that. No training, just, no evidence. Just yeah, no evidence. Randomly, 
randomly accusing people. So we went to a seance. And <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah, I know, right? That's that's a good idea. Yeah, copyright Cheeky that. Tales. Yeah, that's part of the CTU. Um, get out of here. Before we expand to a YouTube channel, we're going to make a YouTube sitcom. Actually, I probably should grab the YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. Pick up Sean's mediocre travel advice while you're at it, would you? <laughs> yep. In. That's our third show. So, Jonathan Brandemeyer, he was known as a bit of a bad boy on his radio show. A bit edgy. However, in the end- How edgy? So edgy. I actually haven't found any of his content, so I've got no of idea. Of course. Like a winged keel or a traditional keel? Oh, he's got edges. He's got winged edges. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, cheeky tails. It's uh, part of the CTU now, Sean. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, show four is going to be our weekly uh, sailing catch-up podcast. No, I'm going to say the first episode of Sean Mediocre Travel Advice is the uh, Western Island. Australia. Island. No, Western Australia Maritime Museum and go oh, visit the- uh, yeah. Well, the go visit Australia. Go yeah. visit Australia too. Oh. You can get a photo like this next to the wing keel. <laughs> I did a big cheesy grin and pointed my thumb to my left like I was standing to the right of the winged keel. Did you just? So- <laughs> If you would like to sponsor Sean's trip to Western Australia, to the Maritime yeah, Museum, Western Australia too. Let's do it. Get in contact. So instead of Sean's mediocre travel advice, it's Aaron <laughs> and John sending Sean places he doesn't want to go. That sounds great. Sean and then you give mediocre travel second, advice. Like second episode, we can send you to Paris to urinate in a uh, open air urinal, public uh, urinal. Sean, it's, here it's it like is. It's like that one of like goths doing ungoth things. It's just Sean in places he doesn't want to be. We could call- This is- Here's the name of the show. Sean's Mediocre Travel Advice Under Duress. <laughs> <laughs> and then the tagline would be like, he doesn't want to be there and he's not happy about it. Nah, it's too long. It just needs to be called Sean against his will. Come on, listener, hit us up. This isn't fund bad. Us. We could do this. Yeah, fund us, listener. We'll do it. You're going to make squillions. Hell yeah, let's do that. Except I don't. we don't have any money to go anywhere, so it's actually just me playing... Where it's, in the world is Carmen San Diego? But out Sean, of sequence. It's Sean standing in front of Aaron's big TV with. Whoa! The- <laughs> <laughs> this is the green screen. It's, it's just really, really bad, bad Geo Gisser. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's John's VR headset. <laughs> yes! And you guys just dropping me in locations I don't want to be. Just like, oh, oh great. <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> He's coming around. Let's do it. Yeah, I'd get around it. So, the only evidence was that he was edgy and a bad boy. Uh, however, mm-hmm. turns out- He's a bad boy. That's the- Don't say yeah. bad boy. He wasn't hired by WGN until many years later. So, he didn't oh. have any grudge at the time. Yeah, right. Mm. They haven't hired me yet. I'm going to hijack their signal. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissy. The same online sleuths. What? Is that a Louis Vuitton book sitting over there on the Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you didn't notice that until now. The same online sleuths would also point to Al Skirkowitz, the engineer working at WTTW on the night of the hijacking. Skirkowitz continued to work at WTTW for over 40 years, even going on a podcast in 2020 to talk about the impact the hack had on the industry. He would compare the hijacking to someone breaking into your house and that the engineering team at WTTW took the hijacking personally. Of course they did. That sounds like something someone guilty would say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What a dog, as if you'd care about your job and your business. Yeah. 
People pointed to the fact that Skirkowitz seemed to be taking a deep interest in the case and that he would certainly have the access and knowledge to do something like this and that his comments on the incident are a bluff to cover his tracks. Yep, I agree. Yep. Put him in jail. Find that man. Yeah. uh, The statute of limitations on this passed in 1992. The last suspects. Reopening the case. Yep. Cheeky Tales does Max Headroom. Cheeky Tales. Online detectives. We're also sending Sean to the Bean. Nah, he likes that. Oh, I so. like. It's called it's called Skygate. Sorry, Don't we're sending call Sean the bean. to Skygate. And I do really like it. Thank you. No, it's that one's fantastic. Not happening. No, that one's not happening. We're no. sending you to the Statue of Liberty. You're going inside it. Mm. You're going to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go to the Statue. You can see it for free. I don't. <laughs> That's our in. <laughs> The last suspects come from a Reddit thread in December of 2010, posted by a person called Bowie Pogue. Yep. He posted an AMA. 23 years after it happened. (laughs) He posted an AMA with the title, I believe I know who was behind the Max Headroom incident that occurred on Chicago TV in 1987. Oh my God. At the time of the hack, Bowie was a teenager in Chicago and claimed to have known people he considers to be the culprits. Bowie considered himself a bit of a cyberpunk kid and wanted to get to know the people uh, in the Chicago hacking community. He met two brothers who were at least 26 years old, who he called J and K in his thread. When was this? This was 2010. Okay, so we should just watch Men in Black. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) J was the younger brother and was known as an expert in broadcast engineering, including spectrums and equipment. What he knew in broadcast engineering, he didn't know about social skills, and so his brother Kay would be the more engaging of the two. Kay worked for a telephone company and had a girlfriend known as M in the post. J, Kay and M lived together just outside downtown Chicago. Bowie claimed that on the day of the hijacking, he was hanging out with a group of hackers, including J and Kay, and J started referring to something big that was about to go down. Bowie asked what he meant, and Kay told Bowie to watch Channel 11 that night. Bowie would say in his post that the Max Headroom incident seemed to match Jay's humour perfectly, and so he believed that Jay was the one in the mask that night. Bowie, however, would go on to post later that he and Rick Klein, the curator of the Museum of Classic Chicago Television, very specific museum, mm-hmm. had exonerated Jay and Kay through evidence they had uncovered. While he wouldn't say exactly what that was, he gave the impression that he and Klein had decided that it was pretty much impossible for the hijackings to have been done by anything other than an inside job. They believed that, te- that the technology available to an amateur wasn't advanced enough to hijack the signal. So he does this whole post where about he's like, how it was them. Oh, I think these people yeah. did it. And then about and a says, year later, he's like, no, nah. couldn't possibly have been them. They're exonerated. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to drum up interest in his very specific museum. Yes, that is what it feels like, isn't That's it? That's what, yeah. It's watched Men in Black and Gone characters. J, J K, K, M. So spooky. <laughs> it also kind of gave me the, like, start of Matrix vibes, or, like the hackers scene yeah. type in that cyberpunk. Like, oh, let's go I can't believe there was a hacker scene in the 80s. Oh. In the end, Slizzers the FBI- that don't have anything better to do, so they think they're hackers. I'm going to hack we're, the we're radio. Shit, at some things and we make things break. Therefore, we're hackers. Hacker man. Oh, man. In the end, the FBI and FCC never did find a suspect they could even publicly announce 
and in 1992, the statute of limitations was passed, and they wouldn't have been able to prosecute anyone for it anyway. The case went cold, and the investigation ended. Max Headroom would go on to be an enduring mystery, finding his way onto shows like ours for years to come. Who and why will possibly never be answered, and with the ability for signal jackers to take over broadcasts now pretty much gone, and basically nobody using broadcast signals anyway, we may never see anything quite like this again. The case is closed. What do you think? Too spooky. Too spook? Good spook. Heckin' spook. Yeah, it's pretty weird, hey? Yeah, like, and that, that was the only two- That was it. Incidents that we had. That was it. All 45 seconds of it. Yep. It was a minute 22 for the second one, and I think it was like 40 seconds for the first one. 20 seconds even. Yeah. Spook. But that's it. That's Max Headroom. Nobody ever caught. Nobody really knows any suspects. No one taking claim. No, no one ever claimed it, except Chameleon kind of did in their post on that no forum. No one knows who that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And that could just be anyone. Yeah. Well, it was it. me. I did it. I am Max Headroom. I'm Max Headroom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Put that out there. That'll be how we springboard our YouTube channel to the masses. When did it happen? 1987. 87. Yeah. So was- you would have been about 13. Months. <laughs> uh, yeah. John being old is a very classic gag Shut in our up. friendship group. Yeah, no, thanks. That's very interesting. Um, good tale. Mm, very good tale. To extrapolate all that information and fun times. I know how difficult it is to do an unsolved mystery, being that D.B. Cooper was, what, three episodes ago? Have you ever heard of D.B. Tuba? No. <laughs> All right, keep that in mind for later when I do that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have been Cheeky Tales. I'm Aaron. That's we John. We have been Cheeky Tales. <laughs> we have been the Cheeky Boys on Cheeky Tales. The uh, just traditional way. You've been listening to Cheeky Tales. We've been the Cheeky Boys. Hey, you know what? F*** you. Come up with your goodbye. I have. Ta-da. Ta-ta. No, just the- <laughs> This is the classic traditional way of introducing yourself at the end of your podcast. Yeah, that's how I like doing it. Nice. So we've been the Cheeky Boys on Cheeky Tales. I'm Aaron. John. And Sean. Who is very sour tonight. Wow, the excitement coming out of Sean. (laughs) Sean's had a rough recording session. He hated the first one. I hate boat (laughs) racing. It's so boring. Find us on the socials. I would rather watch you two. Try to paint each other's nails the fastest, then watch boat racing. Well, maybe that's episode two of Sean's mediocre travel. Yeah, we're coming up with some cracking ideas. Yeah. Oh. Find us on the socials at Cheeky Tales Pod, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and X. Twitter. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. And soon I YouTube. Every week I forget about the Twitter thing. And soon the YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, at Cheeky Tales Pod. Our new show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sean's mediocre travel advice is going to be very Brisbane specific for a while, yeah. just so you're all aware. I'm down at the Brisbane sign. Yeah, look, it has to be within one fuel tank of. <laughs> like one. I'm at the Norman Park Cemetery. <laughs> I'm at the Hyundai Center. Yeah, at the Hyundai. Mm. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode in two weeks' time. Yeah, maybe listening. it'll be Super League. Maybe um, it'll be Super League. I mean. Threatening it for ages. <laughs> yeah, find find on the socials the link tree for those if you haven't seen those Actually, videos. The next episode might be um, Halloween. Yeah, and it's yours. 
Yes. Nope. And not doing even it. more importantly, we're getting close to December. Means time for Sean's medley of madness. That was two. New Year's. That was yeah, January. Yeah, we're getting close to it. That's I am kind exciting. of excited to do another one. That medley was a fun of madness episode. two. Say it. Medley of madness. I'm not doing the Halloween episode. Someone else can do it. <laughs> oh, I have said anyway, I'll do it. Thanks for listening. We will be in your ear holes next time. Oh. Good night, chiquitos. Oh. Be in your ear holes. Open up your ear holes and let us in. (laughs) (laughs) Icky warning. Such a warning. End it. Good night, Chiquitos. Ta-ta.